Good afternoon. Welcome to Pigeon Post. My name is Michael, and you're catching me on my lunch break in the car. And this, what we're about to read here, is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, or has become one of my favorite. And it's not just a story, it's true. Um, as with every story, air quotes, in the Bible. I think sometimes we use that word story and forget that these things actually happened. Put yourself in this man's position. He was born blind. He hasn't seen anything his whole life. And something's about to happen to him. But just to give you a heads up, we're going to be talking about the sovereignty of God in long-term sickness. Um, this hits close to home because I have my wife who is chronically ill uh, for 17 years. Um, I knew her before she was ill, so she wasn't born that way. Um, so there is a difference there. Um, but regardless, when you are chronically ill, um, a lot of well-meaning folks will tell you a lot of um, things that may or may not be true. And you have to test them against scripture. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today a little bit. And we're not going to terminate on that because we're going to see that all of these things point to Christ. Everything that's difficult and hard and sorrowful, um, even those things, and we'll see especially those things, point to our Savior. So um, here we go, diving into John chapter 9. The Gospel of John, chapter 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, This man didn't sin, nor did his parents, but that the works of God might be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground, made mud with the saliva, anointed the blind man's eyes with the mud, and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went away, washed, and came back seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and those who saw that he was blind before, said, isn't this he who sat and begged? Others were saying, It is he. Still others were saying, He looks like him. He said, I am he. They therefore were asking him, How were your eyes opened? He answered, A man called Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight. Then they asked him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. Okay, so Jesus heals a blind man. 
in a rather strange way by spitting and making mud. Um, before we get into this, I just want to recommend a book for you. Uh, it's called Knowing Scripture by R.C. Sproul. And he encourages us in that book to read the Bible existentially, um, which is not with a weird philosophical basis. But by that, he just means to put yourself into the story or to rather, that's probably not even a good way of putting it, instead of putting yourself in the story, rather try to feel what the characters are feeling in the story. Um, try to uh, put yourself in their shoes is probably a better way of saying it. But he does a much better job of explaining that um, than I could. <laughs> so I commend that resource to you. Um, so there's a lot going on here. And if you've ever been sick, um, you know that there's a lot of different thoughts on that in the Christian community. Um, so much so that it's probably caused, um, ca either caused you some pain or caused you some um, maybe not understanding if you're expecting to be healed, why you're not healed. Um, this man was blind from birth. So as we put ourselves in his shoes, just think about that, that having gone his whole life without being able to see anything. And Jesus comes by and heals the man. Now, I want to focus on what his disciples say. His disciples ask, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, who sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents? So the assumption is there that somebody did something wrong for such suffering to be taking place, that this man was born blind. Um, but Jesus says neither. Now, keep in mind, Jesus is answering the question they're asking. He's not saying that the man and his parents were sinless. In fact, we're going to see the opposite is true. But Jesus is saying that it wasn't someone's particular sin that caused this, but rather that this is happening to this man for a specific purpose, and that that purpose is so that the works of God would be displayed in him. This isn't an isolated incident. We're going to see this uh, in a few chapters where something even worse happens to someone, and Jesus says that it's for the glory of God. Um, it's my firm conviction that all scripture teaches that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose, as it says in Romans 8. And that that means that even sickness and suffering, while we don't long for it or enjoy it in some kind of um, strange manner, uh, it is used to produce um, this intangible, oh, I don't know how to explain it, glory. We, we had a really hard summer. Um, without sharing too much personally, it was just really difficult. And um, really difficult in a lot of ways. And I was looking back on some pictures from that summer and just the pictures... Um, I don't, I don't even know how to describe how beautiful it was to look back on that. 
when you've realized that, number one, that God sustains you by his grace, as Paul says, his grace is sufficient for you, even inside of the suffering, that you can look back and see that you had joy and that you had peace and that you had abundant life, even inside of the suffering. And then, if God is gracious enough to pull you out of the suffering, um, which he will do in one way or another, maybe not even in this life, right? Um, but that magnifies his grace even more. So I, I look at suffering as like this magnifying glass of God's grace, um, that you can see it um, in a way that it's almost difficult to explain, really. Let's just take an example of this man. When he opened his eyes, he saw everything for the first time. Most of us, none of us can remember seeing things for the first time. Now maybe you're um, seeing your child do things for the first time. Think of how special that is when a child does something for the first time. But the sadness of having a child that's never able to do something, like these parents whose child was never able to see and then he's seeing for the first time. It's like a rush of joy um, when God does something like that, when he heals. Um, so we see Jesus healing. We see him doing it for a specific reason that the works of God would be displayed in this man's life. And I would venture to guess that this man wouldn't trade the years of blindness for the ability to glorify God because of those years of blindness and in how he delivered, how Jesus delivered the man from it. This should probably be its own podcast. We'll have to do another episode on suffering and what's called suffering and the sovereignty of God in, in theological terms. But basically, God is in control of everything and he still loves us even when we're suffering. And he, that's not outside of his control. In fact, he's using it for the good of all of those who call on his name, all those who love him. So, um, so that's one thing. I think it also um, rules out something that, that we've been personally told, that um, if you're having trouble with some kind of sickness or something, that it's likely that it could be a generational sin that you have to confess, and um, yeah, so you have to confess the sins of your ancestors, apparently, in this view. And I would just strongly challenge that with the words of Christ here, who says it's neither this man nor his parents. And uh, we all have parents who are sinful. We all have grandparents and ancestors. In fact, we came from Adam and Eve. So it's not generational sin that's a problem, it's original sin that's a problem. And Jesus came to make us brand new creatures. And that is how we overcome original sin. And that is not um, some kind of um, mystical, um, uh, how would you say it? It's not like something that we have to go figure out. Like go figure out and do research and figure out what your generational sin is so that you can confess it, so that God can heal you. The whole thing is honestly ridiculous. So I would encourage you not to fall for things like that, because it's not what we see here. Jesus says, this is not the point of this healing. 
And like I said, the whole issue with healing, when God heals, and his sovereignty in that is much more complex. But read this passage for what it is. It's a focus on the glory of God in this man's life. And um, the, the other little thing I wanted to say was that the for the um, not foreshadowing actually the opposite <laughs> that it makes us think about always look for something that uh, reminds you of the Old Testament when Jesus reached down to write in the sand it reminds us of God's finger writing right in the last chapter when Jesus reaches down into the dust right and he spits on it and makes mud but he reaches into a into the dust to make a new creation just like God reached into the dust to make Adam from the dust so. In Christ, that whole idea of being born again is shot through everything that John is telling us here. And I believe it's shot through here that Jesus is giving this man new eyes, clean eyes, and it comes from his hand, from his, even from his own spit, from the body of Christ um, doing the miracle in this man's life. So it's beautiful. It's more complex than we can cover here. But... Um, I encourage you just to maybe study that out some more. Look at the grace of God in, in the Apostle Paul's life and in other instances where God either healed or didn't heal um, and yet showed his glory in that person's life. The Gospel of John, Chapter 9, Continued. They brought him who had been blind to the Pharisees. It was a Sabbath when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Again, therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, I washed, and I see. Some, therefore, of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? So there was division among them. Therefore they asked the blind man again, What do you say about him, because he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews therefore didn't believe concerning him that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight, and asked them, Is this your son, whom you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we don't know, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. He is of age, ask him, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if any man would confess him as Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So they called the man who was blind a second time and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He therefore answered, I don't know if he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, 
now I see. They said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't also want to become his disciples, do you? They insulted him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. The man answered them, How amazing! You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, he listens to Him. Since the world began, it has never been heard of that anyone opened the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were altogether born in sins, and do you teach us? Then they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who speaks with you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, that those who don't see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. Okay, so we see that there was more to this than just healing the man's eyes, right? That Jesus didn't stop with the healing there, and that's not the end purpose of Jesus' work in our lives. We might have stories of healing and, and ways where God met our needs, but as we mentioned before, that has to result in a glorification of Christ in His person and what He does for us. So the Pharisees are upset because Jesus is doing this on the Sabbath. They bring in the parents. They don't really believe that this man was healed. And the parents are rather disappointing, right? So we were thinking, like, what if we were a parent of this man who had been blind his whole life, and now he's able to see, and you know who did it? Wouldn't you tell the truth? Wouldn't you give glory to God? And yet they're afraid of being put out of the synagogue. And so I just want to ask you, if you're seeing something in Scripture that is different from what you're church teaches. Are you afraid to be put out of the synagogue? If it's something important, like what we're seeing in um, 
in John about faith, being saved by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, is, is that important enough? Is Jesus important enough in his truth for you to experience some separation between you and your church? Or between you and family who have always raised you to believe a certain brand of Christianity? Are you afraid to be put out of the synagogue? I would encourage you, don't be afraid to be put out of the synagogue. Because if Jesus opens your eyes, you're free. You can see. Look at how the blind man reacted to the Pharisees. He just told the truth. And then Jesus finds him, and when he finds out who Jesus is, he worships him. He's not afraid that his parents are going to get put out of the synagogue, or that he's going to get put out of the synagogue. The synagogue doesn't matter. He's got Jesus. Okay? So, please consider this. Um, because I hope that there are some people listening who um, maybe you're, uh, you're kind of there you're seeing some things that you've never seen before. Or maybe you're not a believer, but you're being drawn to Christ even, you know, right now. Don't be afraid of what your friends or family are going to think. Maybe you've never really believed in God before. And what would this change mean to them? That fear is going to go away if you've truly seen Jesus like the blind man has. And I, I would rejoice to hear about that and see that we're worshiping Christ in spirit and in truth. So we'll see you next time in John 10. And as you read John 10, I just want to encourage you to ignore that chapter switch right there because John 9 goes right into John 10 and it's very relevant. And uh, we'll see you next time.